says, when Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? That's verse three of Matthew chapter 11. Verse four says, Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Going down in verse 7. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. By the way, soft clothing is nice clothes. Like how y'all looked this morning. All you guys look great. John did not look like this. John was wearing goat skin, calf skin. He was eating cicadas and wild honey and locusts. I mean, uh, shaking in the wind is just those, those plants that grow wild in the wind. Just blow them all around. You see them sometime in the southern parts of the country in tropical areas. Said, uh, so in verse 9, it says, but what did you go out to see? Jesus asked that question three times. A prophet? Yes, I tell you, the one who is more than a prophet. That's John the Baptist. This is the one about whom is written, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11 is my last verse. Truly, or in the King James Version, it says, verily, Whenever you see verily or truly, by the way, guys, truly or verily means what I'm about to say is very important, and it is a fact. You can take it to the bank. It's truth. So whenever Jesus uses the word truly, or if you're in the KJV, verily, Jesus is saying something of supreme importance. It's an eternal, universal truth and fact. Verily, he usually prefaces something that he's about to say that's a lifelong eternal principle when he's prefaced it with verily, verily. Um, he says, truly I say unto you, or verily I say unto you, among those born of women, this was kind of like a, a cliche, or not a cliche, but kind of like a, a figure of speech in those days. It means all human beings. There is not one, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So, so real quickly, when you, when, you, when you think of John the Baptist, you think of this guy that was kind of like just out there living on the land, fiery guy, fire and brimstone, kind of came in the spirit and power of Elijah. But the Lord says that all of us, this is the part that blows me away. The Lord says, and I mentioned this a little bit in Sunday school, all of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ, you ready for this? We're greater than John the Baptist. 
the way the Bible defines greatness is not how the world defines greatness. John the Baptist was not a rock star by the people around him. Even the religious people, the Jews that knew him didn't even like him. He had no followers. He did not just not have a mega church. He didn't even have a storefront. The people that followed John the Baptist were like out there, just kind of like really rebels, discontents, malcontents. These people were living out on the land. John the Baptist was considered a renegade in his day. And not a lot of people liked him. You know, he called out the reason he was in prison to begin with is because he called out King Herod for committing adultery with his quote unquote half brother's wife. He seduced her, brought her to Jerusalem and married her. And uh, on top of that, she was his half niece. So it was kind of like incest plus adultery plus vile trickery and seduction. It was just horrible. And um, no one said anything but John the Baptist. I said in Sunday school, where were the scribes and elders? Where was Annas and Caiaphas? Where were the high priests? Where were the elders? Where were the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes? Where were these cats? No one was crying bloody murder. And this, this is going on in front of them. Just really, really terrible situation. So, so John the Baptist was great. Um, I just want to answer a couple quick questions. I answered a couple of them in Sunday school. Why was John the Baptist so great? He was great because he was humble. He didn't consider himself great, but the Lord said he was great. He was great because he was obedient to the Lord. He did what the Lord said to do. You want to be great. You want to be great. You're not great because of where you are in society, where you are educationally, where you are economically, where you are in terms of your career, your job, your family, your political status. That's not why we're great. That's what the world calls greatness. But what the Lord calls greatness is the man and woman that is humble and obedient to him. We who are submissive to his will. We who esteem him. So if you're taking notes, the definition of great is humility. Matter of fact, the, the Monday morning moment is, in God's eyes, sometimes less is more. God wants us to be humble because he will raise us up. He will exalt us in due time. He will elevate us. You stay humble. Stay where God can use you. Stay where God can speak to you. Stay where you are teachable and receivable, where you are in a position to learn and grow and be corrected. Stay where you can be convicted. Stay in a position where you can be told something by someone else, not just God, but each other. Submitting, surrendering to one another. That's humility. That is a tough lesson. And that's what made John the Baptist great because he was humble. He was submissive to God and he was submissive to his brothers in Christ. And so the question that Jesus raised, why are we greater than John the Baptist? Well, we're greater than John the Baptist not because we're more spiritual, not because we're more gifted, not because we're more talented or we have more resources in 2023. The Lord was referring to the fact that we have a greater opportunity on this side of Calvary. We have seen and witnessed the crucifixion, the resurrection, not us specifically, but those that, were, that lived after John the Baptist. 
they saw the things that John the Baptist wanted to see. Matter of fact, there's this really great verse in Matthew 13, 16 that says, but blessed are you, are your eyes for they have seen and your ears for they hear. Truly I say to you, this is 17 of Matthew 13, 17th verse, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and they did not see it and to hear what you hear and they did not hear it. What makes us great is not because of anything we did. What makes us great today is because of when we are alive. We're alive to see and witness what God has done. We are, we're greater because we have our, his spirit in us. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. So listen, be thankful for who you are. Don't ever put yourself down. Don't ever think less of yourself because to you, to God, you are valuable. To God, we are precious. To God, we have worth. He has a future for us. He has work for us. He has ministry for us. He has a purpose for us. Don't ever think I'm nobody. I don't have a gift. I don't have a talent. I don't have a ministry. I don't have a calling. Yes, you do. God thought enough of you that he sent his son to die for you. You better believe you have worth. You cost the ultimate price. You're the most expensive, the most expensive commodity anybody could purchase because your life was paid for with blood, sweat, and tears of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how, here's how I'm going to close this morning. I'm going to close by, this is something that I wrote this week, and I just think that it just really totally sums up this, this lesson on John the Baptist and the importance of John the Baptist to us today. Because by the way, even John the Baptist, his baptism is it's not applicable to us today. We don't need the baptism of repentance because Jesus has already come. And when we, when we repent, we don't have to be baptized to repentance because now we're baptized by a spirit. When we're baptized in water, it's not for repentance. When we baptize in water, it's for identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with repentance. We've already repented by the time we get to water baptism. We've already, we've already repented by the time he fills us with his Holy Spirit. So, so what John's ministry did was point to Jesus or usher in Jesus. It was a roadmap, a pathway but now we're blessed because we're on this side and he makes us greater because of what he's done for us. And here's what I wrote. I said, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is in us. The precious blood of Jesus is over us. The cross of Jesus is behind us and the glory of heaven with Jesus is before us. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit of Jesus, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is in us. The, the precious blood of Jesus is over us and it covers us. The cross of Jesus, what he did on Calvary is behind us. And the glory of heaven with Jesus is before us. How can we not be greater? How can we not be blessed? That's the status that we enjoy now. If you don't take anything else home with you this week to think about, to encourage you when you're going through crises of faith like John went through perhaps when he was in prison for 10 months like a caged animal, perhaps a four-by-four cell for a guy that's been used to living out on the land like a, you know, like a, a, a 
a wild man, a man of the woods, a man of the forest, a man that lived off the land and didn't need to have a house, didn't need to have a castle. He may not even have had a tent, as far as we know. Putting this man in a prison, in a cage, was the ultimate form of torture, no doubt, for a guy like John the Baptist, who's just used to absolute freedom. But, but here's the thing that's so beautiful about it. God has given us a greater calling today that he has put his spirit in us. He has put his blood over us. He has put the cross behind us to protect us, and his glory of heaven is before us. I want you to be encouraged. If you go through a crisis of faith or have doubt, perhaps like John did, we don't know if it was absolute doubt or if he just needed more detail like Mary did over in Luke 1. The thing that we need to know is that God is for us. He's going to get us through this. God saw this coming. He saw where you're at. Whatever you're going through right now as I close, whatever you're going through right now in your life, wherever you are, whatever season of life you're in, don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't think that God has abandoned you. Don't blame God or be offended or upset with God the way perhaps John's disciples were. Don't feel like God has forgotten you or overlooked you. He has not. We go through these dry seasons, folks. We go through these times where it seems like the Lord has abandoned us. We go through these times where we don't see God's hand at work in our lives. Don't give up. Don't think that he's forgotten us. Don't look at this as being some punishment or some sort of trial or tribulation. It's not always that. Sometimes the Lord brings us through these quiet seasons for us to have time to reflect and to test our trust and to build up our confidence and to let us know that he is with us and he's for us. Don't be discouraged. Don't think that it's because of unconfessed sin in your life. It's always a good idea to confess your sins on a daily basis, but don't always think that it's always about you. It could be about the Lord doing something in you, doing something through you, doing something to you, doing something for you. God is always working. He's always building, always doing. So there will be times when you won't be feeling like, you won't feel like a mountaintop rejoicing period all the time. You won't always feel like it's a cloud nine day. There's some days you're going to have John the Baptist days. And I just made that up. But, but there are going to be some days where you feel like you're in a cage, like you're in a prison. But don't be discouraged. Don't think that you've done something wrong necessarily, or God has forgotten you. He's still at work. He let John know, John, don't you worry. I got you. Even though you're going to die, I'm going to raise you up. The Monday morning moment, as I said, in God's eyes, Sometimes less is more. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask you to just empower us with your word. Equip us, Lord, with the confidence that we know that you are not giving up on us in spite of how dark certain days get. Our eyes are sometimes lying eyes, and they don't always tell the truth. They don't, always, they don't always show us the truth. May we not trust our eyes and ears, but may we trust in you. Because what we may see may not always be what's going on. What we might hear may not always be the whole story. Help us to trust you.
in spite of what we see here and in spite of what we feel, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.